for us pastors, it's, Easter is really an interesting day because many people say that for, for pastors, this is like the Super Bowl of the year for, for us pastors. And honestly, I've never really seen Easter or even Christmas as a, a Super Bowl kind of event. I just love that we're in, just crammed in here. People are sitting on the stage because there's no seats. We're sweating like banshees in here. I'm trying to figure that one out, by the way. Just hang on. Uh, but I just love having the excitement. It, raise your hand if you're just feeling the excitement of just Easter Sunday and just, isn't that awesome? It's just so awesome. So much fun. I love Easter. I, I love Easter because of what it isn't and, and also what it is. I love Easter because of what it isn't and what it is. For me, I love that Easter isn't surrounded by the gift-giving thing. You know, think about Christmas. Christmas, you know, back, you know, basically September, you start seeing ads for Christmas coming up, and it's stressful, you're buying gifts, and all the hype of Christmas comes along, but Easter just sort of sneaks up on us, and then all of a sudden, it's here. I love that about Easter. Christmas, you can start saying Merry Christmas in November, Try saying Happy Easter before today. This is weird, isn't it? Happy Easter. Well, no, not really. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I love that. I just love the difference about it. Easter also, um, one of the things I love about Easter, it also signifies a change, like a change in our weather. Last year, I think it was, you know, we still had like three feet of snow on the ground, it felt like. Uh, now, you go outside, it's a beautiful day. There's, the trees are budding, there's grasses coming up, we all have allergies again. It's just like a start. <laughs> It's just great. I love it. I love it. But the reason I love it most is because it's a perfect time for us Christ followers to be re-energized in our faith and for you who aren't Christians to become a Christian. In fact, for those of you who are here in this room or, again, listening online, and you're not a Christ follower, you're not a Christian, you're just here because, you know, you're pleasing grandma or, or you promise that if you come to church, then you can get the honey-glazed ham afterwards for lunch kind of thing. You know, you're, you're, you're here because of that. For those of you who are just sort of processing this whole, through, this whole thing through, I want to challenge you today to become a Christian in spite of the fact you might know some, okay? In spite of the fact you might work with some Christians. In spite of the fact your spouse, your friends, your, rel- your relatives might be Christians, I want to challenge you later on in the, in the service to actually take a step of faith and see what that looks like in your life. Now, for those of you who only come to church on, on Christmas and Easter, which are many of us, I, I know why you don't come the rest of the weeks. In, of the year. You just come on Christmas and Easter. Because you show up on Christmas, you come up on Easter, and it's really the same message, right? Each time, you just feel like we're switching it back and forth. Jesus died, he rose again. Jesus is the best gift at Christmas. He died and rose on the cross on Easter. And, and you just, we just sort of switch the messages. That's what it feels like for those of us who are, come on Christmas and Easter. But I want to tell you why this day, above all other days in the life of a Christian, is the center point of our faith for all time, in the past, present, and in the future. And I, I mean, I, I, I'm a pastor. What am I going to say on Easter that's new, right? It's a struggle a little bit. But what I want to do is I'm going to show you why. Why the cross? Why this day is the, the, the highest day, the most important day in the life of the church? So let me recap Jesus' ministry. Just a brief recap. 
He had a powerful, Jesus comes on earth, he had about 2,000 years ago, he has a powerful three-year ministry which he healed people, he taught biblical life principles, he he taught some radical things. One of the things that he taught when he was on earth that had never been taught in the history of the world before was, and, and actually other parts of the world even today don't teach this, he taught women and kids have value. Radical. He taught that all people matter in the eyes of God. He taught that there's more to life than just going for all the gusto you can get in life, even though that's a wonderful part of it. The religious leaders hear this teaching. People are flocking to him, and they get their robes in a knot because all of their followers migrate over to be Jesus' followers. They plotted with one of Jesus' insiders. They found an opportunity to arrest him, and they did so in secret because of the popularity of Jesus. They tried him, condemned him, and they executed him, just like they had done with countless others before him. And on the cross, Jesus died just like others had done. They took his body off the cross, which was a little odd. They put him in a tomb. People who were crucified didn't get tombs, but for Jesus, he got a tomb. Now, at this point, if you think of yourself as a disciple and you're seeing your leader on a cross killed, knowing that he's dead and put into a tomb, you become a little confused. You lose clarity, you lose hope, you become a little bit scared. And if you don't believe in Jesus today, you're just like the disciples back then when Jesus died. Because when Jesus died, the movement back then died. When Jesus died, the disciple figured it's over. We're going back to agriculture. We're going back to fishing. And if you know the musical from the 60s, we're going back into our painted VW bus and just going home, right? Anybody know the musical? What? Jesus Christ Superstar. Okay, thanks. It has nothing to do with anything. So, but here's the amazing thing about the story of Jesus. There's, there's more to the story than is normal for the history of somebody who's crucified. See, we see in the story of Jesus that, and we're in John 20, if you have your Bibles or if you're on your uh, uh, iPhone, you're on an app, uh, John 20, starting in verse 1, says this. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found, crazy thing, the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. Now, instead of just jumping right in, she ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. So that basically, that's cold language. John is writing his book about him. He's talking in the third person. That other disciple is him. So Simon Peter and John, she went and got them and said, hey guys, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb. We don't know where they've put them. So Peter and John then, arrived, they, they started out for the tomb. And, and I love what John says. He kind of describes this little running race that they have. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter. Isn't that great? <laughs> the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped in and looked in, and he saw the death clothes of Jesus, the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go into the tomb. Now, this is really, really significant. Do you know why he didn't go into the tomb? Because it was a tomb. So think about that one. Okay. Uh, So it's gross. Uh, 
Then Simon Peter arrived. Then Simon Peter shows up. He arrives, and he just goes right inside. He notices that the linen wrappings were lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first, not a little dig, got courage, and John went in. And, and I love this. Don't miss this. He saw and he believed. Now, John, who was one of Jesus' friends, hung out with him three years, saw these great things happening, the healings, the, the miracles. It wasn't until this moment that he actually believed. For until then, verse 9, until then, they still hadn't understood from Scripture what Jesus, that Jesus must rise from the dead. This event of Jesus rising from the dead brought into the focus everything that, that any, anybody's been talking about him up until that time. All the prophecies brought into focus right here. All the teachings, just everything brought into focus when Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. So why is this still, why is this such a big deal for Christians? Why is it such a big deal for us who make the statement that Jesus is our Savior? Well, let me, let me put a different model. Raise your hand if you work uh, in the business world and you produce a product, like manufacturing, something like that. If, if, you, if what your business or company does produces something, just raise your hand. Okay. So think about your business. Think about your business model. Um, let's say you're doing really, really well, but all of a sudden market indicators show that there's a shift in uh, consumer buying and your product that you make starts to decline and then not decline, but all of a sudden, it's, it's very slated that your product is going, to be, is going to disappear. What would you do as a business? The smart business people would say, okay, how do we, how do we maneuver? How do we get in front of this, this, uh, the business shift how do, and the trends? You know, how do we do all that? But your business just sort of evaporates and goes away. Think about eight-track cassette players. Eight-track tapes. Raise your hand if you know what an eight-track tape is. Okay, put those hands down. Raise your hand if you don't know what an eight-track player is. Yeah, everybody younger than me, basically. Yeah, okay, so let me explain to you, youngsters, uh, what that is. An eight-track cassette tape is, was a thing about this big. It was hard plastic, and it was about an inch thick, and on this thing, it held music. It did. It held music. Guess how many songs on this big thing of music? How many? At least 100, somebody said? Four songs. It was phenomenal, right? Okay, so here's, as an aside, four songs. Why is it called an eight-track player? Anybody know? I'll tell you. Two sides, right, and it's stereo. So two tracks per, never mind. Okay, so four songs. You would take this thing and you would put it either into your car or... You'd put it into a big player, and it was just massive. But by the 1980s, actually 1983 is when, it, when uh, RCA and all the others announced they were going to make those, so that by the 1990s, they were not used anymore. The core business had disappeared. For Christianity, our core business is not the cross of Christ. Our core business isn't the teachings of Christ. Our core business isn't the miracles, the healings, the, even the prophecies of Christ. Our, our core that, that if was taken away, our whole faith is, is worthless. Our core is today. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, the empty tomb. That is our core business. It makes all the difference in the world. 
In fact, one of the writers of the books of the Bible, his name was Paul, and he was having this conversation uh, with the Corinthian church about the importance of this day, the resurrection. And uh, he says this in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as scripture said. Don't believe me? Let me give you a list of people who saw him alive. He continues. He said, he was seen by Peter and then the 12. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. Okay, so we have about 340 people, 350 people in here. So we have this group, we add another 150 onto it, and Jesus shows up, and everybody in the room saw him at the same time. And the great thing is, is most of them are still alive. Then he was seen by James, later the apostles, and then last of all, I saw him. One of the key proofs of anything, if you're a scientist, if you're doing market research, whatever it is, research and development, one of the key evidences that you can bring to the table is personal observation. And again, it's, it, it would be one thing if there was just this little group that saw him, but 500 people. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is rooted in fact, not just faith. It's rooted in eyewitness fact. But then Paul goes on to make this rhetorical argument that Christianity is hinged on this one event. He says this, if Christ has not been raised, Christ followers, get this. If Jesus hadn't been raised, your faith is useless. It's a lie. And you're still guilty of your sin. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. There are people in this room, first service as well, who this is your first Easter without that person you love. It's your grandma. It's your mom, it's your daughter, it's your son. And you're wondering, where are they? What's happened to them? If Easter hadn't happened, they're lost. You see the joy that happens when you realize because of what Jesus did, the sins that kept me away from heaven, the, the sins that, that, that put a barrier between me and God, Jesus died on the cross and rose again so that we can see them again. We can be with, with God in heaven. We can have eternity. We can have eternity forever. Jesus rose to break the curtain between you and God. You don't have to, now, you don't have to pray to a saint to get to God. You can go right to him. You don't have to go through other things, other people, other anything. Jesus ripped that curtain right in half so you have direct access to God. Now, for some of you, that might be just a weird new concept. I can actually pray to God. Yeah, you can because of what Jesus did. The amazing concept that... A king would come and not sacrifice his servants for him, but sacrifice himself for his, his servants. Jesus rose from the grave so we can have life. So what does all this mean? For the Christ follower, it means what Jesus said. When he said, I am the resurrection and the life, he was saying that in the resurrection, you have life. 
When Paul wrote that Jesus died and rose for the forgiveness of the sins of the world, he means that nothing can stand in the way of your relationship between you and God. Now, if you're, if you're here, again, if you're not a Christian, if you don't consider yourself a Christian, you have, you know, you're just a, a, a wall toward religion um, or, or whatever, uh, or if you're just, you're processing it, you're kind of like, well, I'm, I don't know if I am, I'm just sort of not there. Um, there may be a couple reasons why you wouldn't say, you know what, I just surrender to God. Maybe for you, you can't put your trust in Jesus because you like to party and have a good time. Have you met our men's group? <laughs> I mean, it's a little different. Uh, what stays on those ATV trips stays, yeah, whatever. What happens there stays there. Um, it might look a little different, but you don't, have to, you don't have to give up anything to become a Christian. Now, I tell you this, though. When the Holy Spirit permeates your heart, your life moves in a different way. Your perspective on life moves. You will grow. You will change. You will feel more fulfilled than ever before, no matter what's happening around you. Your, relation, your, your situation might not get better. Life might actually get harder. But you have the assurance of God's Holy Spirit to help you get through those times. You, you may be saying, I can't put my trust in Jesus because I've had a bad church experience. We all have had bad church experiences. I'm a pastor. I've had bad church experiences because we're human. But listen, moving across the line of faith doesn't have to do with the organization of the church, the institution of the church. This is not about religion. It's about a relationship. And so in just a moment, I'm going to pray for us. And um, I, as I do every Easter and, and Christmas and several times as well, I'm going to pray that if you have that sense that, you know what, I'm tired of the way I'm living. I'm tired of just the, str- the struggles, everything that's happening, and I, I don't get it all, I, I, but I do want to, I want to step across that line of faith. Maybe the Holy Spirit is doing something in your heart right now, and there's something different. I'm going to pray that for you. You don't have to pray out loud. I'll just, I'll just pray that for you. And I pray that as we do so, that we who are Christ followers are, are, like I said, energized in this day, understanding the great gift of new life that he has given to us. And if you're, you're uh, struggling again, I'm just going to pray, and you can make it your prayer that today's the day, that the reason you're in this room is to take a step of faith that you've never taken before. Okay? Let's do that. Let's stand to pray. Father God, in the midst of us standing here and we look over um, to our left and we see the, the cross of Christ and we think about the empty tomb, um, for those of us who are, are your followers who, who understand that if when we die here, we know we're going to be in heaven. For those of us who are yours, uh, God, we, we are so excited and thankful today, more so than any other day maybe, that you have done that for us, that we will be reunited with our loved ones, that we will have heaven, where we will experience heaven in the future, but we also experience heaven here on earth. Father, we thank you and praise you for that. And Father, I want to pray for those folks who are considering becoming a Christian, considering taking that step. I pray, God, that um, in, in these moments that your Holy Spirit would stir up something different maybe in their heart. Maybe right now there's, there's a heavy burden that people are just feeling lifted. 
because of understanding of what of the, the joy that you offer in the cross or the joy you offer in the empty tomb. Father, I just I want to acknowledge you as my savior. I want to have just that sense of letting go of trying to steer my own life and bumping into walls and just not not having it work out, God. Father, I need your peace. I need your joy. I need your strength. And so, Holy Spirit, I would ask that you would give folks the step, the step forward to know you, to surrender to you, and to be with you. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for everything that you do in our life every moment of every day. It's in Jesus' name we pray all this. And all God's people said, 